Party Pal, the mind-bending and spooky once again film and television podcast. You didn't know you needed. I am Mike Shields, um, back again with Mitch Lucas. Mitch, you ready for part two of this 1980s horror film deep dive? Yeah, this is the deep, deep dive. <laughs> this is double, double deep. So we spoke generally, but it's time to really dig into some, some of these films and some of the themes and some of the ideas in there that that really just struck a chord and, and, and it's, it's, I know it's, I see it around with everybody, like anyone that loves cinema and loves films in, you know, kind of, I'm obviously speaking of people who experienced it in the late eighties or, or revisit it in the nineties or just, it's a huge cinephile in general. This era in horror films really means a lot. And it just, it, the impact resonates and it's just, it's go. I, I really feel like it's going to be looked at for a long time, and as 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 just like a pivotal time period for the genre. And I think we're going to be seeing remakes upon remakes upon remakes of all the films that we talked about last time, and that we're we're going to talk about here today. I mean, these films are that good and that impactful. So, um, what we're going to do is we're going to choose a couple heavy hitters, and. By heavy hitters, I'm, I'm not just talking about, you know, how well they did. Just, just, just some films that really just hit hard and, and stick with us all throughout the years. And and we're gonna start with 1980, Friday the 13th. Um, it was the highest grossing horror film that year. But I just, I, I really can't go there without once again bringing up Halloween, because um, it just really it. It's it paved the way. That was in 1978, and it's it was one of the first that like spawned a franchise. And meaning that there was 11 films to follow. There's more coming too. Halloween Kills, uh, that's what it's called. Halloween Kills is coming out in 2021. This was um, this this was the inspiration for so so many films. It was uh, really it's one of my favorites. Um, and just the story of. I, it's just a messed up story, too. too. It, like, 
it, it it draws on this the what it, a lot of people term the haunted house folklore that exists in many small communities. Meaning that like there's always a story, and I'm bringing this up because this is going to keep coming up in the films we talk about. When you when you live in a small town or even you know a, a medium sized town or whatever, there's always that story like that that haunted house or that janitor that did something messed up or like there's just there's there's something or someone was killed here or there um that becomes like this big huge story and that that draws from this and this is kind of the idea that a lot of films moving forward you know really really drew from i mean halloween it's it's i know we're talking 80s but it you got to uh I, I apologize, Mitch, for bringing it up once again. It was just well, that your, impactful. Your story and your description and your lead into this was so <laughs> like well told that I actually had to look behind me to make sure somebody wasn't sneaking up on me. I felt like you were telling me a ghost story just now. Um, but you're totally right. You know, at Halloween in some ways almost belongs to the 80s. It really fits in well, and there was a lot of sequels obviously that came out in the 80s but you know we i mean the first thing you have to have with a great killer is a great look and you get and you don't know what you're gonna do so you go to the store and you get a william shatner mask that maybe the day before you shoot or something (laughs) and it ends up being the scariest killer that anyone's ever seen you know um it's just such a I'm so glad you brought up one of the most one of the most fun facts yeah. in all of uh, horror films ever. That it was it was it was a William Shatner mask. They they you know painted it extra white. They widened the eyes some. They you know altered the nose a little bit. But that's what yeah. that was. That's it, so cool. I mean, that's the perfect I guess recipe to me for scaring people is just taking something so simple. You know, you don't you don't need a, a a million dollar visual effects monster you just get somebody in a weird mask mm-hmm. walking around not saying anything it's terrifying you know it's such a it's just such a, a great approach to terrifying people and you know one of the things that scares me the most about this film is that he sort of he was actually lurking in daytime i mean we think about it mainly that he lurks yep. at night but there's there's this, a shot where a kid sees Mm-mm. him in broad daylight, and I, I can remember the kid's corduroys and then just him just sort of next to a bush. And that that feeling that the fear can be in the safe areas, that was really scary to me. So Twitter sometimes asks weird questions of each other, and there was uh, one that came up the other day that just um, it was like put in the GIF, you know, someone just puts it out there and people answer it. And it, I was curious. This one came up. It said, put in the year of your birth and see what gift comes up. I put in 1978, and there's a picture of Michael Myers that comes up. The first thing that comes up of him standing in the daylight amongst the blowing sheets. It's something like, it's something, it's a visual from Halloween that was just just terrifying. And you, you just said it. It was in the daylight. And it was it in also... It was one of the first times that we're using Steadicam. It was kind of a new technology at the time, if I'm correct about that. But I know it was something that was employed employed in in horror films in in a different way in that film. And there was just like the movement of the camera and just the daytime thing. And yes, the fact that it was a silent 
creature and just a simple mask was a big, big deal. So let's take it right from there to the 80s to another silent creature in a mask. And let's talk some Friday the 13th because this is this is like it just it was the big it was like I said, it was it is such a big deal. It kicked off the 80s. It was 1980 highest grossing genre film that year. It was a big thing. And my, one of my favorite things about it is, is it was an indie film. It was actually one of the first of its kind to secure, secure distribution by a major studio. And I think that has a lot to do with Halloween's um, you know, success at that point or the way people were looking at it. But it's so cool that this little slasher film that it was just became so much more. Yeah, it really is... I think it, it it rides the wave of those summer camp movies that I loved when I was a kid. Like it really it I think it takes something from like meatballs, you know, and just flips it and makes it like in, in, instead of instead of Bill Murray being at your summer camp and it being the most awesome thing ever, it's like the worst thing ever. You know, but summer camp movies were really popular. I remember loving them and this was like the worst version of that, you know. And I, I love the theme. I think any good horror film needs to have a great theme as far as its location or whatever. And you can just say it's the camp, it's the camp horror movie. And, you know, it, it's, it's so terrifying to me because the woods are sort of terrifying, you know. And, all, and once the, if the people get out of the house, if they escape from the house, they're still in the middle of the woods, you know. So you still have to like know where to go. Yeah, and it's proven early on in the series that you can be walking as fast as you possibly can. He's still going to be right there. It, it's an easy, it's an easy thing. Uh, murder in the woods, you can't escape it. Not much you can do. Terror, terror ensues. Yeah, there was um, there was something that I see dissected a little bit in in a unique way because I just thought it was a great way that they were telling the story, and that's um. There's a lot of killer perspective shots, more than you would see in any film up to that point, as far as I know, or as far as I've seen. And there was, there's a lot of people look at it in some weird voyeur, voyeuristic ways because he's he's watching a lot, he's in, and he's waiting, and it's 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 obviously to build suspense or you know just to kind of draw the the viewer into to the kill. But it's really, I think it's really really effective, and some of the most memorable scenes i have are from his viewpoint and if through that mask yeah and it's really it's well there's two there's two things that they utilize uh and i'll talk about i'll let you finish but the other one i'll talk about is the music but i'm done oh yeah they no go what are are the two things go uh, i know that they only in the original and i'm sure i would imagine that they continued at least to the next two um when the you don't hear music when the killer is not present. So in the original, you don't hear, you don't hear, when you hear the music, then danger's there and he's there. When you don't hear the music, then there's nothing there. But that silence creates its own level of fear. Uh, and so that was, a, that was sort of a, a, a vehicle that they used that you don't necessarily realize it when you're watching it, but when you hear the music, you know... Uh, you know what you know that it's there other thing I love found it. out love it I always thought it was chi 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 ah 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 but it's ki 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 ma 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 which is kill ma kill mother I never realized that whoa 
Yo, I was this year's old when I learned what that was. Are you kidding? No, that's it's crazy. That's that's what Wikipedia Wikipedia did for me. It's I'm got- buying it. I'm <laughs> buying it. When does Wikipedia let any of us down? No, no that's crazy. Yeah, so I, I, I'm I'm now I'm excited to watch it with those new ears. That's 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 so cool. What um, I, I it just the whole um teen sex aspect, and it's not just this film, is. Is wild to see, you know, analyzed uh, at, at this point because there a lot of people were saying that look back at it and it was, it was almost kind of, um, and I get why they could look at it this way. They they were saying that it was almost the promiscuity of the whole thing was being knocked by the fact that when they were being this way, when they were hooking up and doing their thing they would end up in precarious situations or, and eventually dead, which is funny. But, like, the, that's – I love when I'm seeing – and I'll bring it up because, like, I love when I see something analy- overanalyzed to the point where you're just like, come on. They were just – I mean, it was about, you know, the hookup and, like, that fun part of it was part of the fun. You know, you get – everything is getting worked up. It Like, it, it was hitting a lot of marks for – the young people, and obviously younger people love horror films. So we're, younger people love to get scared. Was the idea that you, uh, were you, was the idea that 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 was like a punishment? The promiscuity was like a punishment. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's I've seen I've seen it. I, it's it's it, it's hilarious. But you'd be you'd be surprised how much that comes up in 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 you know, kind of heady examinations of, of eighties horror films. And, you know, I just don't, but I just like, I know a lot of these filmmakers and I know their ethos and, and kind of what they're going for. And it's just, that's, that's, that, that's not what's really, really going down. You got anything else? I know, I know you just watched, um, you just, you know, kind of did a deep dive into it. The other thing that sticks out with me in that film, and I even remembered this in years ago when I watched it is that, the person who ends the film at no point at no point was she like the main character you know the film uh, the yeah. film never really sticks with anyone and the the last the last woman standing it is sort of like a background character most of the film if you ask me i mean uh, there most of the time in films now and I just can't even remember a time when there wasn't like a B story, a B plot with the main character that made you know that this person was going to be fighting till the end. But you don't ever get that clue. So it's it's weird because everyone that you're following in the film as a potential lead dies, uh, which is a, a play, maybe a bigger play towards Psycho, uh, like a bigger nod towards Psycho. But that was my last thought on that one. Uh, two years later in 1982 one of the biggest films uh in the horror genre i actually think we looked at as exactly if you're looking at the numbers the third biggest horror film to come out in uh, the 80s was poltergeist and i know we touched on it a little bit in uh the first part of this but i mean poltergeist is such a big deal and i think you uh you, you were talking a bunch about camp and relatability. I think that suburbs, and, and again, we touched on it a little bit in the uh, first part, but um, it's such, it's so relatable how it starts out. It almost looks like an E.T. movie. I mean, like there's a kid on like a bike, and like there's just like the cookie cutter stereotypical suburbs is right there. The parents are getting high uh, and laughing at times. Everything just seems like, 
relatable things you know. And I always thought that was, that was the power of Poltergeist. It felt like your home getting invaded. And it just, it was, it, the, the setup, the, the norm, normality of it really was the power of it. It, it. You know, like construction workers in the backyard and just everything that anyone who's lived in that is, I mean, I, when I'm saying relatable, I'm saying to me, I mean, Obviously, a lot of people didn't grow up in those situations, but it just it brought the horror to you, and that there was so such power to that. Well, it's the I, I love the idea that anything can be scary. It's like yeah. it's like anything can be artistic. You know, anything can be. It, it, it's like you could look around in your apartment right now and find something that could be terrifying if you show it in the right way. And that film really, as a kid was the first thing that ever said something in your room could be terrifying and you just don't realize it. And that, that freaked me out. I think the, the little clown doll that starts winding up and going crazy, you know, that, yep. That's something that if you're a little kid, you've got something in your room that's similar to that. And then when you go to bed that night, you're going to be thinking about that inanimate object that you hope doesn't get up and walk around the, the, the house while you're asleep and then end up in a different room or something. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it just captures, it, it uses, it uses fear. It uses things, everyday objects to, to terrify you. I mean, have you ever, I, I used to laugh. Have you ever like, uh, have you ever la- like looked in the mirror and scared yourself? I don't know. If ever, <laughs> yeah. Just to see if you could do it. <laughs> yeah. Of that, course. That's the kind of that's movie a, that Poltergeist yeah. is. Yeah. No, to the, to that point, even to I think we have to speak of the television. There's something that kind of came into the homes, and, and and kids were watching in a major way. What was happening with her finding it? You know, the the demons in the television and the speaking through the television. There's something I know we were talking a little bit about David um, Cronenberg in the first one who did the the fly, and but a uh, videogram was a big one from 1983. And there's a lot of social commentary about you know, kind of demons and coming through the, the television. And, and you know, that, that's when they f- kind of first started utilizing, you know, things that might have become ideas for things like Black Mirror, where technology becomes the the evil. And I, I think we see a little bit of that in Poltergeist. And just I just thought the television, I, it was, I mean, it's an iconic image from the thing, just her kind of with her hand on the TV and, the whole thing it's i it's as as campy as i do look at is it at it now and i kind of just had a fun time watching it there's there's something so spooky um about when they they are they don't have their child and they can hear their child's voice and they don't know where it is that type of ter- terror that holds up really well that's some real fear oh right i've never yeah i've never looked at poltergeist and thought to myself this isn't scary it to, to this day is still really freaking yeah to me. all right cool it's not something that it's <laughs> it it's not something that's uh you know lessened for me or or gone stale it's still really freaky to me um and uh <clears throat> yep. you know it's that that one will always stick with me uh i it's uh, really a perfect horror film, but it's too effective for me, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. It's I just, I mean, and just the when you hear the word poltergeist, you just think of like it just, it it has this royalty to it, and it it it, it deserved that. It really it really matters. But two years later, in uh, nineteen eighty four, the highest grossing um, horror film of of the whole decade, 
came out, and that's Gremlins. And that was a huge deal to people our age. And the reason it was, I believe, and I'm, I'm pretty sure this is why in, in, in general, is um, this this film was given a, a kind of a, a, our license to see spooky to see horror to see some see some really disturbing images because it was given a pg rating and it was kind of i mean i was i saw it in the theaters and i was really young and it was something with that rating and with the people behind it who who made it i mean a lot of young kids were ushered in the door and 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 obviously gizmo uh, a lot of young young people um experienced some of their most kind of creepy or terrifying or scary moments in the theater because of gremlins that was that was a pretty pretty i think it's an amazing film to this day i look at well i the first time we ever did a podcast i got to tell you about one of my favorite days ever which was seeing temple of doom and then seeing gremlins right after it was a double feature on my uh uh like 10th birthday i guess and uh it, it's uh it, it i just think of it as a great film i i mean I'm sure yep. some people find it more eerie and scary, but I just, I, the, the part of it that I think is effective is that there's like gizmo and then gizmo can change and become something else. And then that, that evil could happen, could happen to him. You're almost more worried about him not going to the dark side than like getting killed. I think, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. you care so much about him it does. that you're, you're just as afraid for him to, to be, uh, spilled water on or eating after midnight and all those things. No, they brought you in. Those eyes, those little, those little cute eyes, really brought you in. It was just, it was, it was really one of my favorite young um, theater experiences. It just the whole thing was fascinating. The gift, the opening, the rules, the whole thing. Um, but there was there like there was some like little disturbing images. I mean, the, the, one of the things that really um, stuck with people and it, it actually was a game changer. I'll explain why a second, but it was the gremlin in the microwave. And that was something that, that people found very, very visually upsetting. So at this point there was PG films. This was one of the films that led to PG 13. It was it, there's two they there's two they target that say are the reasons and it was this and Red Dawn which is another one of my favorite ed- 80s films by far I absolutely love that film I where they just I do too I think that was the first one. I think it was I, I think, think Red Dawn I think, was the I first, think that's the yeah. crossover where that would have been PG but like there was during the right. time period where it turned in to PG 13 and the Gremlins had a lot to do with that because there was a lot of you know, uh, parents who, who dealt with some kids who were upset, probably, or just you know, it was it was it was a darker family film. But at the end of the day, it was such a captivating film, regardless of genre, and it's it's it still resonates with me. I mean, I I haven't seen it in a while. I, I wanted to revisit it for this, but also I didn't like I, like there are certain films, and it's probably dumb, but it's just kind of how I uh, I think. Uh, where like I'm, re- I get really hesitant of ruining, and just ruining my my thoughts and my 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 experience, and that's really one of them. And I know I, I I a few years back I was watching a little bit of it, but like I really haven't touched it much since back in the day because it just it just that my thoughts on it 
from that time period just mean way too much. To yeah, me. you don't want to you don't want to open it up and have it feel like it's not not as pure. But I know exactly yeah. what you, I I haven't um, revisited that one as well. But I absolutely do. It's like a huge fond memory of mine, and uh, definitely fits into the horror genre. It's definitely a huge film for the '80s, uh, and uh, you know, it's it's big in that decade. Do you think it's cheating? Two years later, we had um, one of my favorite films, period, come out, and and it's it's it almost feels like cheating that we're put it into the horror genre because it just, but it, but it is aliens is a horror movie. Am I right about that? It's uh well, we spoke in the last episode. It's something evil in a, in a room that you're trying to escape. Yeah. It's suspenseful, but it is horror. I, I do believe. Well, that's great. That's just fucking great, man. Now what the fuck are we supposed to do? We're some real pretty shit now, man. You finished. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we gonna do now? What are we gonna do? Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs, huh? Why don't we try that? We better get back, because it'll be dark soon, and they mostly come at night. Mostly. It's, um, what an impact that made, though. That was, I mean, that was the, uh, the second highest grossing, um, horror film in the 80s but i mean that ended up on the cover of time magazine the, the alien did and that that you know it's still with us i mean we're still seeing alien films it's just it's just that 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 film is just it, it, even if you approach it from an action um standpoint one of the best action films if you take it from a science fiction standpoint one of the best science fiction films and if you take it from a horror um uh standpoint it's one of the best horror films it's that good of a film and just there's there's so much to dig into um with it just i mean look at all those three pieces right there but you know sigourney weaver uh as ripley is just is is really what a cornerstone to build a film on and just like the idea of her at that time you know kind of a woman struggling in the masculinist society that um it was and is just being that badass is something that just kind of I don't know. It, it it was affecting to me, and it's something I, I like. I haven't. I didn't see. I guess we saw Linda, Linda Hamilton in Terminator years later, but like I can't think of any other badass woman just killing it like that. And it was just it was such a driving force in that uh, that that film. And you just wanted to see her succeed. You want to see the kids succeed, and and it was terrifying when they were pressed up against these these you know. Crazy aliens. It was, it was. It's so good. Maybe Jamie Lee Curtis in the original Halloween, but yeah, this is yes. up into that. Thank you. But yeah, this major, major, like uh, you know, strong female character. But the the silence and the darkness. It, it is really eerie and it is really scary to be like lost in this air, lost in this place, and you're stuck there, and there's no way out, and you're you're you know claustrophobic. I mean. The idea of like an alien or or a monster being on like the space shuttle—that's a pretty scary feeling, and that's more or less what this sort of. I think that was maybe the idea, maybe the NASA and the the shuttles inspired them to like think about what it would be like to have, you know, a a villain in space. And uh, it, I, you know, as much as we initially were like, oh, is this 
you know, is this horror? I think it absolutely is. You know, uh, things change over time. But when I first saw that, I definitely was terrified. Terrified. Absolutely terrified. Um, it was, you know, I, I think I mentioned how there was a lot of these films in the 80s. They're, they're, they did speak to the moment. And, and the moment was the 80s and the excess that was there. And this was this was so 80s, too, if you think about it. I saw I came upon a little... Um, um, note from um, Robert Luckhurst. He wrote a book on the film, and he he called it, and I just thought this was very interesting, a defiantly Reaganite version of the story. Uh, It was pumped, militarized, liberalism, and driven by staunch defense of the nuclear family. It was just like, it was, it was like, and I, I think you, you mentioned it perfectly with the kind of the space program and just so much of it was... So many of these films just really spoke to the time period and, and couldn't have happened without the, and I'm not afraid to say it, the rid- ridiculousness of the 80s. And it just, Aliens just kind of was like the pinnacle of that way. And, and But in it's something I feel like a lot of us yearn for, the darkness that was there. I mean, I know so many of us love the Batman um, darker trilogies. I like a darker Batman and, and like... But I think the reason I do and the reason we do is is because you look back to, like, Alien and Aliens and the, and the darkness that was there. You know, we look back to um, Escape from New York. I mean, you could barely see anything, and it was just so haunting being in that dark. And sometimes when we were, we were drawn into this brighter, campier, um, you know, experience in some of these superhero or sci-fi things, it just it didn't have the edge. And I think we've been chasing the edge of aliens for the entire time, you know, and it's just that's the impact. Of yeah, it. we're still we're still trying to to match that. And, you know, looking at those sequels they do today, you're never going to be shocked like you did the first time that you that you see it, you know, um, and it's uh, yep. it, it has that same as effect that the thing had, you know, it's just like it just feels feels different and uh it's it's really a beautiful film so i'm um i think i'm alone here sometimes when i one of my favorites um during the 80s was i was i was huge into nightmare and elm Street. so i want to bring that up before we get into our last film that i know we both want to bring up but um i think i loved it um and I loved a bunch of them. It's, I mean, because when I look at back at Friday the 13th, I think I like one and three. And, you know, there's a few others that I can really enjoy. But I can, like, Nightmare on Elm Street, something about it just, I was just, for, you know, through through many of them. It's, four is one of my favorites. They, uh, there was this perfect mix of horror and fear and, like, that whole thing and funny. And, and like, it was just, like, they, they and, and, one of the things I loved most was how creative it was in its kill scenes. They would they would find you know when it was when it was happening because you're dealing with um, both the reality and a dream world, and they blend them together so well that you weren't sure what was what at the time before a kill. And when when it would happen, when you would realize that you were in the dream and the nightmare started. It was such a cool moment, and it always seemed to hit. It hit again and again and again, and they did so many different ways in which they, you know, I'm thinking of the Puppet Master one or the, what they did in the waterbed, just just these creative kill scenes that, that, you know, were scary 
as can be. But I was also just like, wow, that's kind of cool that they thought of that. And it's just, it was, it was something I really, <laughs> it's, it hit me in, in a way that some of the others didn't. I, I tell you that I've watched this less than the other films because I'm, I was so terrified by the trailer. There's an iconic image. There's an iconic image of him with these really long arms. And that just terrified me to the point of I, I was terrified of the movie without really having seen it at the time. I was still just terrified. And <laughs> talking about the way poltergeist can make inanimate objects scary or things you don't think about, I think Nightmare on Elm Street takes something that you are sometimes afraid of and says you should be afraid of it. We can show you why it would be really scary. Like, we all have nightmares. So it's like it's like saying you know, mm-hmm. it, it's like playing on a fear that we already have and heightening it, and that's a horrible thing you know to do to <laughs> yeah. people. Uh, and I think that's why it was just too scary for me at the time. Yeah, I love that. I love the power of trailers is really really intense. I did I did also love um, I love the idea of the kids um paying for the sins of their parents. I thought that was really cool. The bullying aspect of of the origin story was. Was intense. Freddie was actually named after um, uh, Wes Craven's bully um, that 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 terrorized him back in the day. But but it was it, it was a cool one. But me and Mitch both have one that that definitely didn't break the box office. Definitely um, one that um, I, it's it. I think it took a little while for it to be looked at as the classic it is. But we're talking about the Gate in 1987. Uh, Steven Dorff's film debut. I know you appreciate The Gate. What can you tell us about The Gate? You know, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this one is because it it's such a it feels like such a precursor to Stranger Things to me that I feel like it's worthy of talking about. I mean, oh yeah, it's it's sort of like taking off mm-hmm. from the Goonies and and kids getting into adventures and stuff. But you know, it's a perfect teen horror film where you know. All, everything is fine as long as the parents are there, but the parents go away, and that's when all the danger happens, and that's when all the secrets of the home, you know, start start exposing themselves. It has a it has a little bit of a poltergeist um, origin where there's something you know there's a there's something in the ground there that they find and they discover this weird rock and then this rock opens up like a gate to hell and and it's one of these movies where there's so many things happening that you don't totally know what's happening you just know that demons have invaded and you somehow have to get them out but it has everything that a that a horror movie like a teen horror movie would want to have where you've got the 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 joking best the comedian best friend who ends up sort of getting taken away and in becomes a demon for a while um i mean I don't know. I want to hand it over to you because I'm. I'll talk for way too long. What I it's, it's it's you're right. It has it all. It absolutely. You know, it's got the high school party. You know, obviously the when the when the parents go away, the babysitter takes over and hell. You know, hell breaks loose. Um, I was just so drawn into the effects. It's just in 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 the most fun ways. It's it's 
you know, I'm not looking back judging on what they were doing. I'm looking back um, exclaiming and in awe of what they were doing. And I know the limitations of so many of these filmmakers financially and just technology-wise. And just, you know, that the, the body that drops at one point and turns into all those little monsters and that starts running. Oh, it's amazing. It's so amazing. It's really, these are ideas that I think have, uh, um, you know, inspired and, and just changed the way so many of the, the bigger uh, filmmakers today even think. I mean... I think of films now, and I'm like, they 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 watched the gate. They they got that from the gate. This, the things with the the hole, the tree, the whole thing. But you're right, it is dripping with poltergeist vibes, and 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 I, I, I think some people would think there's a lot of knockoff stuff there. But it's just also it's just the time period, and just it's just again, and we brought it up so many times, but it needs to be said so many times. Is this, this suburban relatability, this, this sur- suburban experience that was, these were the stories being told a lot in the 80s and, and, and films. And maybe, yes, other stories should have been told more. But the, the case being that these, so many suburban stories, whether told in comedy um, through, through John Hughes films or, or, or in horror in this case, through all the films we're speaking of here, it's, it's, it is an iconic thing that was happening. And The Gate does... It's emblematic of so much of what the whole thing means. And it's one of the most fun. And it's like I, I already talked about, you know, showing my daughter some films. I, right when I was finished The Gate uh, just recently, I'm like, I can't wait to watch it. It's something it's, – it's a great introductory horror film for anyone. And it's, it's just a really good time. Yeah, it's not the most scary thing you'll ever watch. It's just weird and there's so many great effects, yep. and it feels like a throwback to those Harryhausen films with the stop-motion creatures everywhere. It's not Hell quite yeah. a computer-generated film. It's more tactile, and you can feel the like clay models that they're using. And the those characters, I think Stephen Dorff is like the same age as me when I when he made that. So like I can look at him and be like, that's exactly how old I was when this film came out. You know. I, I I just yeah. can look back at something like that as a mid forties person and think of, it gives you a perfect image of when when I was a kid, you know. So uh, I hold that one true yeah. to my heart. That was young Mitch. Yeah. So I it's fun to be able to talk about that one <laughs> in amongst some of these really really scary films. Yeah, it was it was really really good time. I like that point you just made though about young you. I think it, it made me think of Stand By Me right away. Like. When you're young and you can just watch. And that's why sometimes you see these horror films or just any films. And I see, you know, people our age kind of judging them. And it's, it's, I'm, I'm really quick to say, you know, in, especially if the protagonist is younger or just, you know, you kind of see where, what they're doing there. Just like, this is, this, it's not made for you. And these films were made for us and for people at the time. And really, it's, it's really cool to see their influence kind of uh, uh, still being, um, you know, drawn out. And, and we brought, we've said Stranger Things multiple times, but there's films throughout so many genres that are influenced by these amazing 1980s horror films. And it, it's been fun. It's been really fun to, uh, to give them their just due in this month. Uh, anything else to close us out about 1980s horror films? I don't have any big tidbits this time, but... You know, it it just brings back so many great memories, and you know, I would I would start with Friday the Thirteenth, and 
And I, now I want to watch every Friday the 13th, at least the first four. <laughs> so that's my next goal. Yeah, exactly. I'm definitely, I want to revisit three. I remember loving, loving three. And I'm, I'm with you. You said, you just said, um, you know, that memories. And it, I just feel like people are going to be making memories during this Halloween season with these exact films for years and years to come. And I know what I will. So Mitch, it was a pleasure speaking with you about these over these, uh, over these two uh, episodes. So thank you. Thank you so much. This was really fun. I love this. And uh, hey, thank you everyone out there for joining the party once again and happy Halloween.